Welcome to The Hormone Suite, where we talk about all things hormonal and how our hormones can positively or negatively govern our lives. We examine the intersection between our external and internal environments and empower you to become hormonally literate. This podcast was created to demystify and destigmatize hormones so that you can become part of a new generation of people who are the masters of their own health. I'm Talia Minot. And I'm Gemma Martin. And we're very excited for you to join us on this journey. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Hormone Suite podcast. This episode is proudly sponsored by the Hormone Suite Clinic, your one-stop shop for all things hormonal. You can find us at thehormonesuite.com or email us at hello at thehormonesuite. This episode was recorded over Zoom, so there are a few little connection issues throughout the episode. So please just bear with us and enjoy your listening. My name's Gemma Martin, and I'm one of the co-founders of The Hormone Suite. And today I'm chatting with Emma Maitman. And Emma is one of our collaborators. She works on the mind-body element of The Hormone Suite Clinic. And today we really just want to introduce Emma. So Em, first of all, before we get started, can you tell me a little bit about where you are hormonally right now? So like maybe where you are in your cycle or are you breastfeeding? What's going on for you? Hi, thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, So I am still breastfeeding. I have a 22-month-old. He's two at the end of the year. So, yeah, 22 months. I feel like it's so weird talking in months when it comes to kids. But anyway, so for 22-month-old, I'm still breastfeeding and I'm in my pre-menstrual phase of my cycle. Um, I've been pretty lucky with my period coming back. Well, some would say lucky. (laughs) Pretty early on um, after having a baby. I think I was around three months postpartum um and the cycles have been pretty regular um there's definitely been a few that have been all over the place but on the whole um when i look at my tracking it's been pretty consistent with very minimal symptoms um just feeling you know that extra kind of coziness and wanting to go a little bit more inwards at this phase but yeah overall hormonally feeling pretty good awesome and that's that's really interesting too because a lot of women find that when they get their period back after having a baby and breastfeeding that it can be a little bit haywire or they find that their symptoms are really exacerbated like PMS I know is one that comes back pretty hard for a lot of women or they find that their period is totally changed so that's really I think it's a really good reflection of your health that your cycles come back it's regular you're feeling pretty good with it and you're not getting like any of those crazy symptoms that some of us do. My cycle is something that I've worked on very religiously leading up to, I mean, for many, many years, even before I wanted to conceive from my teen years onwards. And then, yeah, hormonal health is something that's, you know, obviously really important to me. And I am a very big believer that if there is something going on in the period then, or in a cycle, then that is an indicator that there's something that needs to be looked into. So I'm kind of like the first person to jump into Talia's message box. There's something weird happening. Like, hey, this just happened. What does it mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really big on like getting on getting on top of something straight away. If there's any, um, you know, my first couple of periods after having a baby were definitely heavier than normal. They were more, I bled for longer than usual. Like my period, I'd gotten it to a point where it was normally kind of like every 28 days, you know, I bled for three to four days not overly heavily, just kind of moderate, pretty manageable. But I did notice those first few 
leads postpartum, I was like, whoa, this is a lot. Is this my life from now on? And then after the first couple, my cycle, it was almost like it kind of regulated itself. It almost felt like it had this cleansing period after birth that I had to go through of just shedding more. And then, yeah, it moved into this place of kind of balancing itself back out to what it was pre-baby, which was which was pretty cool. And like you, like you said, it, it is, I guess, an, an indicator of um, underlying health and whatnot, but it is also something I'm hyper aware of and very vigilant in nurturing and living in harmony with that cycle as well. That's so awesome. And I love that. It's actually something that it's a really great message for our listeners because I think a lot of women, they really they suffer for a long time with their periods. So a lot of women, you know, they go for years and years and years without seeing someone or with seeing people and without getting results. And I love that as soon as you think there's anything going on with your cycle, you get straight on the phone to Talia and get some advice about how to balance that back out because it really is, like we say, a monthly health report. And if it's not in balance, then it's an indicator that, hey, things aren't going great and and it needs attention. It's something that I ignored for so many years. Kind of tracking back to my early health history, I was put on the pill when I was about 15. They're like, oh, you've got really bad skin and you're probably going to start having sex soon. So probably better to be safe than sorry and get on the pill. And so get put on the pill at a really young age. And I was on that until I was luckily, thankfully, I think I was about 19 or 20. I just had this feeling like I need to get off this medication. And I did. And at that same time, I discovered that I had really, really hectic parasites that were running absolute rampant and destroying my gut. And so I kind of went on this big journey of healing my gut and through that process discovered, oh, you have hormonal imbalances and my testosterone levels, I was basically a man. They were through the roof. I had hectic cystic acne. Like if you Google me, there's some articles that went viral and I'm like covered in really, really painful acne. And I remember saying to my naturopath, like, what the hell? I've done all this stuff to get on top of my gut health and I'm eating so healthy and I'm doing all these things. What is going on with my hormones? And so she tested, you know, we did all the testing, all the markers, and that's when I discovered the testosterone levels. And and she said to me, she's like, Em, do you think that you could be stressed? I remember sitting in her, she was also studying psychology. She was doing her master's or PhD in psychology. And I remember sitting in her chair basically rocking in my seat being like oh I'm not stressed I do yoga and I'm like jittering from like the three coffees that I've had the the crazy stressful job that I had at the time and and, and she just planted a seed and I was like hmm maybe I actually could be experiencing stress and so I started just looking up what what is stress what effect does it have on your hormones what effect does it have on your skin and I'm like oh turns out a lot and this is years this is years and years ago now I think now it's much more well known but at the time it was like okay maybe I need to start doing something other than my like you know token yoga class a couple of times a week that I'm rushing through and dying to get out of shavasana because I'm bored maybe I need to start looking into this and that that for me was kind of the big catalyst for realizing that yeah there was something going on hormonally and then yeah, being told, oh, you know, you've got you've got cysts in your ovaries and your only option is to go back on the pill. And I remember just saying to the gynecologist, I was like, really? I, I don't I don't accept that. Like surely there has to be another way. And so I worked with my naturopath. I did I it's when I really dived into yoga and meditation beyond just stretching and really dived into the spiritual aspects and particularly meditation and mindfulness. And that was the the shifting point for me of realizing that that mind-body connection has such a huge impact on your hormones and that you can actually balance them without the use of 
going back onto the contraceptive pill. And I remember going back in a few years later to have another internal ultrasound to check the cysts. And they were like, you don't have any. <laughs> and I remember saying to them, yeah, well, I've been doing this, this, this. And the, the ultrasound person, whatever they're called, the radiologist was like, I can't believe that. Like, I've never heard of that. That's actually amazing. And so for me, that was like this, this moment of this big testament of like, okay, there's, there's something to this. And I was really young at this point and I was in my really early 20s. So definitely not with the knowledge that I have now. But that for me was the, the shifting point of realizing that you can do these things holistically without having to rely on things like the pill. That's such an amazing story. I'm so glad that you shared that. It really just leads me into talking about stress and about the nervous system with you because I bang on about this all the time, but I can totally relate to that person of being in the yoga class, just doing the stretches and doing the things and sort of being there almost reluctantly. It's like, yeah, I've ticked that box off, but not really ever getting into the body and not really ever getting to calm the nervous system down or even want it to be calmed down. Like I think sometimes when you're running on adrenaline, it, it becomes addictive in itself and then it's very hard to get off that train. And I love that you went through that healing process and you were doing all the other gut stuff and your skin wasn't getting better, but it wasn't until you really got into the mind-body stuff that you learned about that true healing. And in my opinion, I don't know about you, but or what your experience was within your naturopath, but in my opinion, I think we can balance things a little bit with herbs. I think we can actually do a lot with herbs. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm in love with herbs and they're amazing. And, and I love what we can do, you know, hormonally, we can definitely recover girls with PCOS and get regular cycles and do a lot with acne. But I do feel like that if the nervous system is stressed, that it makes it a lot harder for the body to heal. And that a lot of those symptoms are just going to come back if we don't get that under control. Yeah, absolutely. And that was definitely my story because I'd been working with this particular naturopath and she was amazing for ages and she'd gotten me to a really, you know, I was at the point where I think I weighed about 42 kilos. My hair was falling out. I was covered in acne. Like these parasites literally nearly killed me. So she rebuilt me pretty much from scratch because I, I couldn't eat anything. Like it was, it was literally like a rock bottom moment in my life. And very early on in my career, I used to work in public relations, which is a very busy, stressful industry. And her planting that seed of you could be stressed and me being in total denial about it. It did take me a few months to actually let that sink in. There's so much research now that shows the effects of stress and how it is one of the key markers for disease in the body. You know, when we're stressed, it just has such a negative effect over every system in our body. But unfortunately, most of us live in an environment. We live, you know, we work, we're parenting, we're doing all these things that create all these external stresses on, on top of our existing stress of just maintaining life i mean there's good and bad stress right we need a certain amount of quote-unquote good stress to be able to get us up and going and moving and whatnot but we have this influx of let's call it for lack of a better term bad stress or negative stresses stressful encounters continually throughout the day and the nervous system can't tell the difference between say if we're you know out in the wild and a tiger is chasing us and suddenly we go into fight or flight and all of our internal systems shut down and our body is like i'm going to pump all of the blood to the legs and gtfo because i don't want to get eaten by a tiger and so our bodies haven't evolved past that point so when we get a stress response that's what happens essentially in our bodies except for the tiger is now a deadline or being stuck in traffic or a stressful job or whatever it is and we don't have the tools to meet the demands of life and 
a big common one with stress and I think people can kind of get really overwhelmed with that because they're like, yeah, well, everything in life is stressful and living is stressful and, you know, that, that story starts to play out. And unless you're going to renounce the world and live in a cave somewhere and meditate all day, you're going to just need to actually build yourself a toolkit to cope with the demands of life. So rather than seeing things as, oh, everything's stressful, it's like there's no such thing as a stressful situation. It's just a stressful response. And how you respond to a situation is often very indicative of where your nervous system is at. So if you are very, very reactive to a situation, if something triggers you and you just go from zero to 100 real quick, like you are running from that tiger at the slightest sniff of something a little bit stressful, then there's something going on in the nervous system that we need to start addressing. And for a lot of people, there is years and years and lifetimes, depending on your belief, of stress that is stored in our nervous system. And I know for myself, you know, sitting in that naturopath's office that many years ago, I had years of nervous system stress and pent up anxiety and things from my teenage years and parents' divorce and all this stuff that I'd never actually dealt with that was sitting in my nervous system. And I knew that it was there, but I didn't want to deal with it. So I just masked it and it was coming out of my skin. And it was like my body was saying, you need to deal with this. And so I started on what was a very, very long pathway of healing but actually discovering that you you need to nurture your nervous system essentially because as you just said before you can take all the herbs and you can have all the adaptogens and all the supplements and all things but if your body's in a state of stress it's not going to actually receive a lot of that nourishment you know you'll get to a point kind of like what I did you get to this point where you start to see results and then it kind of can't go any further because the nervous system isn't ready for that upgrade essentially and so practices like yoga, I mean, yoga's great, but also it really depends on the type of yoga because I know for myself, I was like, as you described, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do shavasana, I just want to do yoga. So I'll go and do some really fast, hectic yang style vinyasa where they're just playing sick beats and I'm moving my body and like tick the box, did yoga. But did I actually breathe into my belly? Did I actually calm my nervous system? Did I actually do any of the things that yoga as a therapy is intended to do? Probably not. I was just kind of doing a different version of an exercise class, which is fine. And it is a great way to move your body. But having some kind of a meditation or mindfulness practice doesn't have to be yoga. It might be breath work. It might be meditating. It might be Qigong. It's something that actually you're using as a way to take yourself out of that fight or flight response and bring you into a rest and digest response so that your nervous system can actually bathe in that rest and digest that parasympathetic nervous system response and rest and actually bring itself back to life, actually heal. And we need to spend more time in that parasympathetic state to actually experience healing. Yeah, I so agree with you and I so feel that too. And I wonder, I've got a bunch more questions now for you, of course. I wonder if you find with your clients that those of them or those of us who go for those Ashtanga, heated yoga, like really intense styles, if they're the ones that really mostly need to be doing yin, you know, if that's your sort of (laughs) your attachment, you know, if you need to be doing the exact opposite. And I'm going to ask one more question while I've got you because I know you're going to have a little chat is that do you think there's something really special though about doing breath work with physical movement that allows you not just to get into that parasympathetic nervous system response but also to maybe release some of that 
trauma that's stored in the body like you know in the body holds a score they talk about that all of our traumas and micro traumas are sort of held in the body and that when you do breath work and I love breath work just laying down doing breath work but I find when I'm doing yoga I'm like oh there's my body I'm in it and I can feel like things feel like they're moving and releasing through the physical body as well as through the breath yeah 100% you have to feel it to heal it and a lot of people neglect the body and this happens a lot in the in the yoga, meditation, spiritual world is that people kind of just get so deep into their meditation and their spiritual practices that they actually neglect their physical body. And we're in these physical bodies. Like we're not living in this airy-fairy 5D ethereal world. We might experience that in meditation or through, you know, I might have some crazy breathwork experience. But your reality day-to-day is that you are a human being in a physical human body. And the body is a gateway. And as you said, the body holds the score, but the body also holds infinite wisdom. Like the body knows how to heal itself. We know this, you know, the body knows how to create life. The body knows how to birth life. The body knows how to nurture life. It has so much wisdom within it, but we're so detached from it. And then we often get into these movement-based practices where the music's pumping and we're not really paying attention as to how we move our bodies and we just stay in that kind of more yang space. And, you know, like you said before, most of the people that are drawn to Ashtanga, I did Ashtanga for years, and I think it's an amazing practice if you practice it correctly with actually tuning into and being able to calm your nervous system. So essentially, right, when you're in a yoga class, the challenging poses are designed to put stress on your physical body. And then the mind, the mind side of it and the breath is your ability to then switch that response and calm your nervous system so that you can be holding a warrior two and rather than being like oh my gosh my arms are going to fall off and then da, 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 and all the stuff's going on in your brain you're like hmm, i'm floating on an ocean i'm super relaxed so it's kind of like this boot camp training for your awareness most people miss that point because we're so in the mind we're so stuck in, in yoga we call it the vritti the fluctuation in the mind the surf level of the waves we lack the ability to go within and so the two moving together, like having a practice that is mindfully moving your body is beautiful. And that doesn't have to be yoga. I mean, you can lift weights in a way that you're breathing as you, you know, inhaling as you pull up and exhaling as you pull down, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. And you can make that a really mindful practice of working in rather than working out. You can do it in, in any way. But I think the integration of, of mind, body, breath, spirit, the whole thing working together is when deep healing really begins and as you said the body holds so many traumas and for most of us that that starts on the shoulders we start to feel the weight of the world on the shoulders and then if we don't address that it might get for a lot of us it gets stuck in that shoulder throat area and then often it moves down and gets stuck in the hips and for a lot of people they have really tight hips and most of it is emotional which is why if you get into yoga class and say you're in you know, a pigeon pose or some deep hip stretch and suddenly some sad song comes on and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling all the feels because your body is wanting to heal itself. And it's like, hey, I need to express this emotion that's like buried deep within me from however many years ago. And you're like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't express. But wouldn't it be amazing if we actually allow the body the space to do what it's designed to do? Like we... We just don't even know the potential of the human body. It blows my mind to think, when I watched this video the other day of this acrobat doing this insane thing, and I thought to myself, wow, that's so cool, I could never do that. And I was like, actually, no, I could do that. I have a human body. If I wanted to, I could train and I could do all the things to do that. It's just not 
perhaps in my life plan in this lifetime. But we have the capacity to do so many amazing things in our human bodies. And most of us are limiting ourselves because we don't want to actually connect the two. We don't want to live in that holistic realm of, of mind, body, spirit, breath, of everything coming together and ultimately allowing the space for the body to to guide the way for that for our own innate wisdom to guide us rather than being so stuck up in the head or in the intellect yeah and i suppose that style of healing really requires a certain level of personal responsibility as well you know like when we're stuck in the intellect we're quite often giving our power over to another intellect who can ostensibly mechanically fix our issues whereas when you go and do that deep dive into your mind body stuff and you start doing mindfulness practice and paying attention to your thoughts and and watching and observing the belief systems that you're running in your mind you sort of become a little bit like, oh, I um, think I'm creating this. <laughs> and then you've and then you've got to own that and, and take responsibility for it, which is not, you know, I understand if, if people don't want to do that. It's not for everybody. But it's a it yeah, I do feel like it's also a pathway to ultimate freedom too, even though it's hard. Like you said, you've got to you've got to feel it to heal it. It's like healing comes through struggle. It doesn't come easily. It's it's work. And I think that is important to sort of flag for people but also to to flag that it the joy is on the other side of that yeah like you said it's ultimate freedom you know bondage or liberation exists only in the mind and once you can go beyond that and have an experience of yourself and your deepest essence I mean to me that is pure freedom and then you're just allowing yourself to express in this beautiful human form and it just all becomes this kind of beautiful dance and expression of life and life feels lighter and more joyful and you feel less stuck in the waves and less caught up in the anxieties of the mind and that's not to say that you don't forget I mean I think the important thing to people listening to this being like oh it sounds all nice to be on this spiritual path but it's it's often a practice of forgetting and remembering and you forget and remember and you forget and you remember sometimes 10 times a day but the more that you remind yourself and when I say remember you're remembering what you are beneath the surface the more you come back to that that's where so much more richness in life lives and that's where healing can occur and that's where hormones can rebalance and all these things can happen from that place of innate intelligence so can you tell me what you do as part of your daily practice to keep your mind and your body in balance and your hormones and being able to be a mom and do all of the amazing work that you do what's your daily routine like well, it was definitely more indulgent before having a child, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but um, my daily non-negotiable is meditation and my partner and I both meditate every morning and we usually just tag team for a little 20-minute meditation each. So one of us will be with our child and then we'll switch it out. Um, and that's just, that for both of us, that's just a non-negotiable practice that we do a style of meditation that just drops us into a state of being where we allow our nervous system to rest essentially and we allow our mind to rest. And I have found that it is, I don't like the term biohacking, but essentially like that for sleep deprivation because, oh my gosh, sleep deprivation will get you. <laughs> um, so I have found that's like my daily non-negotiable. And then for me, a few days a week, usually I'll get up early in the morning and I'll go to the gym um, or go and do some yoga and then we come back, tag team the meditations. And then 
The rest of the morning is kind of dictated by my child, but normally there's a couple of things that I like to do, um, like dry body, body brushing or gua sharing, which I find actually really easy to do. It would be much nicer to do it in a room with nice music and all that kind of stuff, but I can do it while chasing a toddler around. And that just gets my lymphatic system working and makes me feel really good in my body. So that's generally, and then I'll generally drink a warm glass of water or some lemon water as well in the morning to get the digestion and everything fired up. That's kind of my more mum friendly version of my now morning routine. Yeah, I can imagine that you'd love to be doing more, but I know what it's like when you're chasing around children. And you mentioned that you and your partner do a particular style of meditation that just allows you to drop into that deep relaxation. What's your style of meditation? Does it have a name or is it something that you guys have come up with yourselves? We practice a transcendental style of meditation, which basically just means to transcend the mind. So we use a mantra which is a sound. It doesn't have any meaning, but we use that sound to bring us into a state of what's called being. And being is pure consciousness, the infinite ocean within, however you want to feel it within yourself. What happens when you go into that state of being is essentially it's like a big rest for your mind. Because even when you go to sleep at night, you know, your brain is still digesting the food you just ate, the the conversation you had, you know, all the stuff that's happened through the day, your brain's working and then it's working on keeping, you know, telling all the different systems in your body what to do while you sleep. So your mind doesn't actually get a rest. Whereas this style of meditation is basically like a nap for your brain. And there's actually quite a few studies that say that 20 minutes of, of transcendental meditation is equivalent to four hours sleep in terms of that deep REM state of sleep. And that's because you're actually going into this really yummy, deep, restful state within your nervous system, um, allowing it to completely rest. And then you come out of that and you feel so much, it's like having a shot of coffee. You feel so much more energized. So we, we don't do this kind of meditation right before we go to sleep because you usually come out unless you're really tired as a parent, which <laughs> most of us are, but usually you come out of it and you get this kind of, you get this hit of energy because essentially you've just, you've just had an internal nap, which is such a game changer for parents. I feel Yeah, you should be fine with just a couple of those a day and you don't even need to sleep at all at night, right? Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I've been surviving the last 21 months. (laughs) Thank God for survival mechanisms. Is there anything else that you'd like to let our listeners know about or share before we sign off? Um, I think, you know, if people want to check me out on the Hormone Suite, so I have a prenatal yoga series Obviously, if you're pregnant, it's a really great way to practice and and honoring that the body is different during that phase of life. But I also do yoga for all stages. So whether that's preconception, whether that's perimenopause, menopause, whatever, wherever you are at, we can use yoga more as a therapeutic tool. So less of let's just turn up the hip hop music and do all those and more like how are we going to actually move in a way that's designed to shift energy in the body? Because I think people forget that yoga is actually an energetic practice that's designed to work with the spine, which is where the central nervous system runs along. And so that's the, that's the intention of all the different shapes and things that we get into is how do we lengthen the spine? How do we create space for the different energy systems, the chakras in the body to be able to move and function? And obviously that has then a beautiful effect on the central nervous system. So... That's what I'll be doing if you want to come and check me out on the Hormone Suite. I'll be working with clients over that whole space as well as diving into you know, meditation and breathwork practices and things that we can do 
to set you up with routines. Like I'm really, really big on people, not just, I think it's really, it's like, you know, when you go to a buffet and you're like, oh, there's so many things here. I want to put everything on my plate. And then you eat three things and you're really full and you're like, oh no, <laughs> I can't possibly eat this entire plate. I think that often happens when we get excited about mind-body practices. We're like, I'm going to do all the yoga, all the Pilates, all the Qigong. It's going to be so great. And then we do that for about a week and we realize it's not sustainable. And so I'm really big on how do we actually create sustainable practices? Like I would love to have an hour in the morning to meditate, but that is not my reality, probably not for many years. So I stick with my with the practice I know that I can achieve great results in within 20 minutes. And that's the same in the way that I work. It's like, how do we work with someone's lifestyle so that we're going to achieve results that the person's going to actually do rather than just kind of going, oh yeah, it'd be nice. And I can definitely do two hours of yoga a day when really they have 10 minutes, you know? So it's like, how can we optimize things based on what's going to actually land with someone? And how can you bring things into your day that you're actually going to commit to and be able to embody and practice as opposed to something that's not sustainable? So that's something that I'm really big on is creating sustainable changes rather than, you know, some crazy life flip. Yeah, because we definitely all have that ideal where we'd love to be able to do an hour and a half of yoga and an hour of meditation a day, but it's just not reality. How good would that be? Oh, it'd be amazing. It'd be so good. And I'm so glad you mentioned your prenatal yoga as well as the preconception too, because I just, they're two phases of the hormonal life where I'm just so adamant that yoga has to be an essential part of your healthcare regime you know in that preconception period just getting out of the mind and down into the body is so essential for allowing the body to be able to conceive and then preparing the body for what is going to be the biggest marathon of your whole life which we talk about is labor but it's really parenting but you know labor opening the birth canal <laughs> making sure that the body is in alignment so that the baby can travel safely out is just it it's a hundred percent essential and they're just two of the areas that are that require specific style of yoga and i love that you do personalized yoga and you really tailor it to what a what a person can do but also what their body needs at that phase of their life and you know for some people they need practices like ashtanga and like these more yang based there's nothing wrong with that you know that that serves its purpose but it really depends on what are, you, what are your goals, where are you at in this season of your life and what's going to serve you to create balance because, mm. you know, yoga, is a, it, it means yoke. So we're, we're unifying all parts of ourselves, you know, our, our capital S self with our lowercase s self. And so what is going to achieve that? What style of practice and daily routine is going to help you actually experience yoga, which is a really beautiful state to experience. Yeah, it's to, the ultimate goal really is to find that balance. And that's what we're doing with yoga. That's what we're doing with hormones. We're trying to find that place where we actually feel good most of the time. We can step out. We can be reminding ourselves we can come out of balance. But it's really about coming into that balance where we feel like we're centered and we're masters or owners at least of our, our lives and of our destinies in to whatever degree we actually <laughs> we can. So um, I just want to make the Seinfeld joke, master of your domain. <laughs> I love Seinfeld. <laughs> so thanks. <laughs> I thought you might. <laughs> so thank you so much for chatting today, Emma. It was really lovely and really insightful. And I love your, uh, the way that you explain your journey, but also the way that you explain your practice. Like it's really, it gives me a really 
great feeling and great understanding for what you offer. And we'll be checking in and chatting again soon because I feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. We've got lots to chat about. Yeah, I could talk. I can talk. Don't worry. Awesome. Well, have a great rest of your day and we'll check in again soon. Bye. Thanks for having me. Bye. Okay, sexy hormoners. That's it for us this week. Please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. And if you need more help with your hormones, we're always here for you at The Hormone Sweet Clinic. You can find us at thehormonesweet.com or on Insta at The Hormone Sweet. Bye. Bye.